You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. All right, y'all settle in. I'm, I'm going to try to not preach as long as I normally do, uh, but we love the Bible here, and we believe in the Word of God. And um, even last year, y'all remember last year, Christmas was on a Sunday, and, we, and you know, people were canceling church on, on Jesus' birthday. We're like, we ain't going to do that. And so we believe on the Lord's Day, it's a, it's a special time for us to get together open up the Word of God together, and uh, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, and we'll be looking at Psalm 46 today. And so if you have a Bible, uh, feel free to turn there with me. Now, kids, I'm going to need y'all to pay attention for a little bit, okay? Kids, hear me. I got homework for you, okay? Um, You're not getting a grade. You don't have to bring anything to me, but I have homework for you. Um, I got three things I want you to do tomorrow on Christmas, okay? You ready for them? Number one... I want you to build a fort. Can you guys do that? Adults, you can do this too if you like. Um, Because forts are cool no matter what your age is. Okay. Now, the second one, I'm going to explain it more in a minute, so you have to keep listening to the sermon. Number two, build a fire. That was a little sketchy. So I'm going to give some fire safety tips, and you have to do this with a grown-up. And number three... You need to be still a little bit, okay? Tomorrow's a crazy day, I know. It's exciting, uh, but we're going to take some time to be still, okay? So I want to go through these three homework items uh, out of Psalm 46. Now, listen, fort building, the first one, no matter, no matter how awesome your fort is, it can get wrecked, can it? Um, how many of you show of hands have brothers and sisters, even adults? Like, you know that, that brothers and sisters... Mission in life is to wreck the things that you work hard to build, even, even when you grow up, amen? Uh, you, you know, you work hard and they just mess it up. That's what brothers and sisters do. And, and even if you build the most awesome fort, uh, there, there can be a brother or a sister come along and, and just run through it and knock all your cushions and sheets over and knock it down. Well, Psalm 46 is about God being our fort, the, the title of the psalm is God is our fortress. And so the, the idea of Psalm 46 is that when we dwell in God, we are safe, we're secure, we're protected. And so let me read the first three verses of Psalm 46. The title is God is our fortress to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. Verse one says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Now, last week, Pastor Jeremy taught you about the heavy metal classic band, Sons of Korah. Um, Here we have another psalm for uh, the Sons of Korah, probably written by the Sons of Korah, or at least for them to sing and lead in this song. And the song opens up by proclaiming that God is our fort. He's our fortress. He's our refuge or safety and shelter. The idea is that we abide in him and we rest in him. And and these lyrics uh, really bring a heavy metal feel to the whole psalm, that there's this cataclysmic event that's happening in this psalm. That, that, that the sons of Korah write of this earth-shaking storm that's happening. It's a, it's, a, it's a fictional storm, but it's a storm like no one had ever seen. That A storm so severe that the mountains are actually moving, and they're shaking, and the waters are roaring. 
Now, I don't know if you could, if you could imagine the, the scariest storm you've ever been in with the loudest thunder and the brightest lightning and, and, and maybe the heaviest rain and flooding. And those storms can be pretty scary, right? And even as adults, I remember one Christmas it flooding and, and my, my wife and I tried to go to Lincoln County to my parents' home and, and at halfway we realized we weren't going to make it because it was flooding. And so we turned around to come back only to find that it was flooding for us to get back home. And I was having like a panic attack at the wheel and Amanda's like, calm down. And I'm like, we're going to drown on Christmas. Like it was just, it was the most Clark Griswold moment I've ever had. And, uh, but, but imagine a storm coming and a, a storm warning coming across, you know, your cell phone and telling you to take shelter, right? Now, when, when you're told to take shelter, whether it's a flood or a tornado or whatever it may be, high winds, um, none of us would go like inflate a bounce house and get in it, right? I hope you would know. Like well, in the early days of New Heights, we, we popped up bounce houses all the time. That was just like an easy way to do outreach until we started seeing how dangerous it was. We did a couple of bounce houses in high winds that I was like, we're going to lose a dozen kids. They're just going to go to Oz or somewhere. I don't know what's going to happen to them. They're just going to fly away. But as silly as it would be if there's a tornado coming to get in a bounce house, it's the same thing that we do when, when our lives are tumultuous, when, when, when we feel stressed, when we feel like everything's crumbling and falling apart, and we run to the security of our bank accounts, or we run to the security of a relationship, we run to the security of friendship that will crumble. You know, the Lord is, is crying out through his word that we take our refuge in God alone. There's nothing wrong with all those other things. There's nothing wrong with financial security and good relationships and friendships and marriages and dating relationships and friendships. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that, those things are not our fortresses, right? Those are not the things that we hide in and, and find our security and assurance in. And so in the midst of chaos, this psalm is crying out to us that we find our fortress, our refuge in God alone. I love verse one says that God is very present. I spent some time this week meditating on that. What does that mean to be very present? I mean, some of y'all, like our services are bigger now that we brought the two services together. And so sometimes I miss some of you. And so the past, the past month I've, I've asked you, were you at church last week? And some of y'all are like, yeah, I was there. But imagine if someone was like, I was very there. I was very present, Will, and you did not recognize me, right? It's like, I don't even know what that means. Um, or, or like, did you go to the ball game this week? Yeah, I was very at the ball game. Like, it doesn't even make grammatical sense. But, but as I began to think about it more and more, I realized that, that I'm guilty of this all the time, of being present somewhere with not, without being present. You know what I'm talking about? Like I, I might show up somewhere, but mentally I'm somewhere else or I'm lost in my cell phone instead of being present in the thing I'm at or attending or being present with my family, even though I might be in the same room as them. And so we know actually what it can mean to be present somewhere without actually being present there, but it's not so with God. I love that the psalmist says he is a very present help to us. 
That he is, he is not just in our presence, but he cares about us. He listens to us. That in the tumultuous world that, that we call our lives and all of the stress that comes to us and all the anxiety and worries and things that we have, and, and, and seasonally we are at the height of that, of stress and anxiety and depression, that in the midst of all that, God isn't just close to us, he's paying attention to us, listening to us. That actually what we're celebrating is God coming to be in our presence. That, that Jesus incarnated, put on flesh, became man to be born of a woman so that he could be present, very present with us. And after this tumultuous verse of all the storm happening and the mountains shaking and all this crazy stuff comes this Hebrew word, Selah. It's probably a musical word, most likely meaning a, a instrumental break. This is where Chris Mercer comes in with the ripping guitar solo when the Selah hits. Um, and, but it's also, it, it, could, it could mean a spiritual thing too. It could mean a spiritual rest. And I think it's, it's good and imperative that we see that when the psalmist tells us that God is very present with us, and, but the mountains are shaking and the waters are rising and things are crazy, God's still with us and we need to Selah, to rest, to take a break. That's what we want to do in this season. The next verses, verses four and five, are contrasted with that crazy storm. Four and five have calmness in them. There is a river, verse four says, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And so the imagery that's, that's contrasted here, it's still a fortress, it's a fort city. It's still a dwelling place. But now, instead of rivers raging, rivers are quiet streams. That a peaceful river flows. It's a picture of heaven. And you may be asking, well, what if my life looks more like verses 2 and 3 instead of 4 and 5? Let's just be honest. I think most of our lives probably look more like verses 2 and 3 than 4 and 5. But let me encourage you with this. Verses four and five are where we're going to. Amen? That's where we're headed. And so how can you have peace in the midst of a storm? Well, sometimes we'll be about place, right? So if we want to find peace in the midst of a stressful and busy life, we'll go to the right place. We'll go to church. We'll go to a prayer closet to be alone with God. Some of y'all go to a tree stand. Some of us go to Williams River or the mountains or the lake. Some of us have places that we go to find that peace, or some of us have procedures that we do, things that we take action in that, that calm our souls. Like some of y'all are crazy enough to just like go run for no reason, and that like apparently calms you down somehow. That just stresses me out thinking about it. Or you go to the gym, or you go for a walk, or whatever you may do. You may read, sit down quietly, and read the Bible, or read a book. So we might have places and procedures, but this... Psalm, I think, is calling us to something else. These things can be great and peaceful things in our life, but our spiritual refuge is not a place or a procedure. It's a person. It is God himself. And so whether we're in the tree stand or going on a jog or going to the gym or going to church, that, that it's not about where we are or what we're doing. It's about who we know. And his name is Jesus Christ. We take refuge in him. Okay? So homework assignment number one, y'all need to build a fort and be reminded that God's protection and fort building is so much better than yours, even though yours will be awesome, I promise. Okay. Secondly, number two, homework number two, build a fire. Now, 
This is where I have to give a legal disclaimer that Will Basham nor New Heights Church are in any way um, responsible for any fire or smoke damage that occurs on your property. Um, this is my disclaimer, okay? Um, I want you to build a fire. Now, listen, you got a fireplace, that's, that's easy. If you want to go outside, the weather's supposed to be nice tomorrow. It's not going to be snowing. Or, you want to go outside and build a campfire, that's even cooler. Um, but, but I want you to maybe even just light a candle, okay? I want you to see what fire does. And there's fire involved in this psalm. Um, fire and destruction in this song seem, seem a little bit uh, counterintuitive for us to look at on Christmas, but I think it illustrates God's might and his power. And so a fort illustrates God's protecting power for his children, but fire illustrates God's destroying power for his enemies. You know that anyone who comes after a child of God has to deal with God himself? We have a father who loves us enough to destroy those who would want to destroy us. Verse six says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Isn't that good news? That God is powerful enough to just speak and the earth melts like a candle. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. And so a fire is a good reminder of God's wrath and his might. And as a child of God, it reminds us that his fierce destruction does not rest on us. We don't have to melt away and be kindled in his presence because instead of his wrath being upon us, his grace is upon us. And so as you build a fire either outside or in a fireplace or just light a candle tomorrow, I want you to actually do it. And, and parents, take a moment to show your kids how, how the wax drips down a candlestick or how the logs turn into ash. And let it be a reminder to, to you of God's awesome might and power. The sons of Korah use fire as an analogy to say that under the power of the Lord of hosts, the earth melts. Nothing can stand in his presence unless he wants it to. Verse 8 says, come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 8 says that God has brought desolations on the earth. Now, now, critics of the Bible will look at that and say God of the Old Testament is an angry God. He's a mean God. He's bringing these desolations. There's songs about it. But it says that he's making an end to war. Many of you are, are suffering right now. Many of you are, are in times of grief and heartache and worry. And it feels like you're in a war. And sometimes the things that are coming upon you feel like God is raining down desolations on you. But you know what, what it takes to end wars? War. And you serve a God who fights battles for you. And he has promised to bring all things to consummation and completion. But sometimes the ending of war feels like war. And what I want you to know that as we live this difficult life, we are living at the end of a war that God is winning victoriously our souls back to their rightful place, which is in his hand. It's those acts that feel so painful that finally actually bring peace to us. Verse nine says that God is making wars cease. This is a longing look forward to when God consummates all things. And, and in the context of when this psalm was written, it was actually written, we can read about the time it was written in Isaiah 37. 
and you don't have to turn there, but this will be on the screen for you, I think. Isaiah 37, 10. There's a king outside of the city of Israel, a big, angry, hateful king, the king of Assyria. And he's mocking and making fun of God's people. And he's threatening and, and, and planning, actually, to come in with his armies and destroy God's people. And he sends a letter from the king of Assyria to the king of Israel. And we see what he says in verse 10. He says, thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? What the king is saying is, look at all the nations around you and how they've fallen. We've destroyed everyone. And all of them had gods that they prayed to for deliverance and asked for help. And none of those gods helped them. And he's saying, and why would it be any different for you? But what Hezekiah does, the king, he's a tattletale. He takes that letter that he gets from the king of Assyria. And he goes to the house of the Lord. He goes to the temple. And he lays out, literally lays out the letter before God. We see it in verse 14. It says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And in his prayer, he begins to ask God for deliverance and ask him to, to take away the sure and certain destruction that's waiting for them. And what God does is he answers, and he builds a fortress spiritually and physically around Israel, and he delivers Fire figuratively in the destruction of the nations and armies outside of Israel. Verse 36 says, The angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. So God destroyed the enemies of his children. He took care of his children. Most scholars agree that when the Israelites came outside the gates and they found these 185,000 dead soldiers, this is when they actually wrote Psalm 46. So this is what the sons of Korah would have had in mind as they sang this song, this real event that happened. And they looked at what was left behind from God's salvation, broken bows that were meant to be shot at them, broken spears that were meant to be run through their own bodies and families, and chariots that were now strewn about empty. And the only way to clean it all up was to what? Start a big old fire. And just burn it up. And for them, it wasn't just a moment in history. It was a picture of a promise to come. That God will protect his children and he will destroy their enemies. All right, so your homework. Build a fort, build a fire. And number three, be still. For the love of God, be still. Okay. Kids, I know it's hard. Sleep in a little extra tomorrow. Just see, see how long you can stay in bed. I want to know, know what kids stay in bed the latest on Christmas, okay? So y'all come back next week and tell me how late you were able to stay in your bed, okay? Now listen, I know Christmas can be a rowdy day filled with excitement and gifts and stockings and presents and all those things. This is like traditionally as, as a dad of young kids, my kids are older now, but I was the dad that took batteries out of toys and like, I don't know what happened to the batteries. <laughs> but Christmas, December 25th, is the one day that dads put batteries in toys like psychopaths. We just do it, right? It's like we're just wired for chaos on Christmas. <laughs> 
And, and this, this beautiful and good chaos, it's all good, but it has a tendency to distract us from, from what the point is. And so I want you to build a fort and I want you to build a fire and take those object lessons to take a moment to acknowledge your God, but at least take a little while to be still. Just kind of be quiet. Maybe pray. Maybe don't even pray. Just be quiet. And, and, and think in your mind how, how the Lord entered softly and quietly, not with a fanfare and parades and all the pomp that comes along with a king's entry somewhere, but the quietness of humility. To be born to a teenager in a stable in a manger. To grow up and live a perfect life, knowing that the end of that perfect life would result in stretching out his arms on a cross to suffer and to die for your sins. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. We're not going to take communion today. Normally Christmas and Easter are the only two times we, we don't take communion. Just because we got a lot of different people in the room. And I, I don't know where you are. You, you, might, you, might, be, you might have been a Christian a long time. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not sure where you stand with God. But just as this psalm ends with this rest, Selah, the promise for the children of God is that our life also ends with that rest. The book of Hebrews is filled with allegory that, that when we exit this life and we pass on to eternity, that those of us who have hoped in Christ enter into an eternal Selah, an eternal rest. At the end, we can look back and know God is almighty in his protection of us, that he has kept us from harm. Even though bad things do happen to us, that spiritually we are unscathed by the evils of the world. And God is almighty also in the destruction of his enemies. That those who would try to arrest our souls, whether they be human or demonic, that God will ultimately and finally destroy them, and cast them away from us. And we can come in God's presence for eternity through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can rest forever. And ever, and ever, and ever. And so though this life may feel burdensome, may feel exhausting, Jesus understands. He lived the life. He didn't just remain in heaven and beam us up so we could be with him. No, he came to us and lived it. Hebrews also says that he, is, he was tempted in every way that we are. That he endured stress just like we do. He worried just like we do. That all of that was upon him so he could identify with us and ultimately save us from it. And so, if you've not placed your hope in Christ, let me conclude this morning by calling you to do that. And you can do that while I pray over you. If you would, bow your heads. And I would just encourage you to take this moment of, of quietness, stillness, to be still, know that God loves you. And whatever may be lacking in your relationship with Christ, don't leave here without taking care of it. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about New Heights Church or a relationship with Christ, please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com.